Revelation chapter 21. Revelation chapter 21, continuing in our series on heaven, more specifically the New Jerusalem. Revelation chapter 21. This coming Sunday is Mother's Day. And we're looking forward to meeting in the early service like we did this past Sunday from 9 o'clock till 10 o'clock outdoors and having Mother's Day in not rows but family groupings as we did where folks can spread out as much as uh, they would like to. But this is Mother's Day Sunday. We have a gift for each of our mothers and look forward to having your family with us. Also, please pray for Mrs. Searcy. I got to speak with Mr. Searcy yet this morning and uh, the biopsy yesterday went well for Mrs. Searcy although it did knock her down physically she's doing a little better today and should have the report back from the doctor next week sometime Uh, do keep her in prayer and also Tim and Becca Lewis in Papua New Guinea they have some very definite challenges they're facing and need God's wisdom at this time that's Tim and Becca Lewis Revelation chapter 21 was one of the chapters I encouraged us to read just uh, to think through and meditate on uh, heaven and things to come. I encouraged you to read Revelation 21 through chapter 22 verse 5 and then 2 Corinthians 5 and John 14 1 through 6. If you haven't, maybe you can read those this coming week because we'll continue in the series. Revelation chapter 21. Now, I went through some of the hymn book this past week, just the section on heaven, and very much enjoyed reading. Some of the titles of heaven that I saw there were Glory Land, like just over in that Glory Land. It reminded me of how the Bible says of Solomon, that Solomon in all of his glory could not compare to the lily. Now God has clothed the lily. Uh, Zion. We're marching to Zion, and uh, that being the city of the great God. Um, The Palace of the King. This is another one of our favorites, Fanny Crosby's hymn, Saved by Grace, that she, being blind, definitely saw with eyes of faith and had a clearer, brighter vision. When, in her song, Saved by Faith, Saved by Grace, uh, she speaks, one of my favorite titles of Jesus, says, This I know, my all in all, has now a place in heaven for me. Speaking of titles, more titles of heaven. Uh, the city of God, I shall enter into rest till we meet at Jesus' feet. Uh, one of our hymns calls it Beulah Land. We have another hymn that speaks of in the sweet by and by, emphasizing that reunion we shall meet on that beautiful shore. There's also some thinking in our hymns that I kind of uh, read or sing, and I think that's kind of unusual. One of our hymns speak of the angels beckon me from heaven's open door. And I think of angels leaning out, motioning us to heaven. Uh, Hard for me to picture. There's also some... Um, pictures of heaven that are kind of thematic through many of the hymns. For instance, um, the songs of sweetest praise drift back from heaven's shore. Does heaven have a shore? Well, no, but we think of crossing over the Jordan and light of death and entering heaven. Uh, other ones say, on that happy golden shore, or we shall meet on that beautiful shore. 
The hymns are an enjoyable read just to get your hymn book out and read it by heaven. It would be a good profitable reading to take your hymn book and read through it this week if you have a little extra time. But we're going to go to Revelation chapter 21. Revelation chapter 21, and let's read together verses 1 to 3. Revelation chapter 21. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven. Now, I want to point out that the New Jerusalem is not the same as heaven, because New Jerusalem comes down from God out of heaven. I, John, saw the holy city. So the city four square that we think of, that we call heaven, is actually the New Jerusalem. Coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. And he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. Heaven. Now in this study, when I speak of heaven, I'm usually going to be speaking of the New Jerusalem, the city foursquare. And we, we looked at last week about how there's not a lot of information about heaven. It's interesting that the first two chapters of the Bible describe the first heaven and the first earth. That's the way well, the Bible calls it. I saw a new heaven, new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away. Genesis 1.1, in the beginning God created, well that would be the first, the heaven and the earth. But the last two chapters of the Bible describe the, the new heaven, the new earth. That is the the one that's made new, all the, all the evidences of sin are purged out. The curse, decay, and death, as Henry Morris says, will all be purged out of the new heaven and new earth. The very elements will have been melted and dissolved in a fervent heat, Second Peter chapter 3. And the former things shall not be remembered, nor come to mind. So, we have this new heaven and a new earth. And the Bible says that uh, the first heaven, first earth will be passed away. So it's going to be so different, so far beyond our imagination, the elements will have passed away with a fervent heat. Maybe there will be a new element table. It says there will be no more sea. What does that mean? Well, in John's day, of course, John was exiled to the island of Patmos. What was that? It was kind of the Alcatraz of Bible times. It was an island prison without walls, about 10 miles by 6 miles. Uh, this is, John was on an island prison, isolated. Uh, the island of Patmos was known as a marble quarry, had marble quarries that where they mined marble for the kings. And we think of him being alone there, but um, Patmos was a Roman uh, work camp. And it was a life sentence without parole, which you could call it a death sentence. People were sent there to die there. Some lost their mind, went crazy. And any time, almost anywhere you were, unless you were in the mines, you could look out and see the sea that surrounded you, that separated you from your families, this, this place where there were storms all around you. 
Well, he says there'll be no more sea. Now, hard to imagine because three-quarters of our earth is covered by water. Well, the new earth will not be um, so, uh, have so much water. It'll be more like the Garden of Eden. Our earth is um, dominated by water as a result of the Genesis flood, where the waters from the firmament above came down, the waters from beneath came up. Uh, so it's going to be a totally different, uh, we call it a new world, a new heaven, a new earth, because the old will be passed away. And he says in verse 2, I, John, saw the holy city, a new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven. So this is where it begins to become a little confusing in our minds, because we think of a city four square as heaven, but it says the new Jerusalem comes down from God out of heaven. So we need to get this clearly in our mind. There are three heavens. Three heavens. And the first, you might take note, would be the atmosphere. That would be the weather, the clouds, the birds. You could call that the meteorological heaven, the atmosphere. The second would be the outer space, or the astronomical heaven. This is where the sun and the moon and the stars are. Uh, the Bible talks about the, the astronomical heavens when it says, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth his handiwork. So you have atmosphere, then you have the second heaven, outer space, and the third would be God's dwelling place, the house of God. And um, the residence of God. Jesus taught his disciples, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven. So if the first heaven would be meteorological, and the seven, second astronomical, the third would be theological, the house of God. That's the focus of Revelation chapter 21, verse 3, on the house of God. That's why it says, The tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. Now, these are the three heavens, meteorological, astronomical, theological. Um, God's dwelling place. Uh, we'll come back to this, but um, think of it from a Psalms 2 perspective, where the Bible says, The heathen raged and imagined a vain thing, and they took counsel against the Lord. But it says, He that sitteth in the heavens shall laugh. Uh, consider a battle where they, they you want to take the high ground. The high ground will be very important in a battle uh, to be to be taken from a strategical position. And Psalm 2 almost gives that kind of thinking that he that sitteth far above the heathen who are raging and imagining vain things and taking counsel against God, God sits way up in the heavens. He's laughing. He's on the high ground. He can see everything. He's transcendent, high and holy and lifted up. Well, we're looking at some of, of, of heaven and the terminology of heaven, the way the word is used. Uh, sometimes the very word heaven is used to speak of God. You think of the prodigal son who said, I have sinned against heaven. He's talking about God. Uh, sometimes people will use heaven as a name for God, um, almost euphemistically when they say, heaven help us. They're talking about God. Uh, this word heaven, I looked it up, it's, 551 times in our King James Bible, it's 127 times the word heavens, plural, and the word heavenly or heavenlies is 22 times. Uh, this is a 
Where does the English word come from? Heaven. Some folks think it comes from the word haven. A harbor from the storm. A safe haven. A place of peace and rest. Heaven. Well, this is... uh, There are other words that are similar in idea. One is the word paradise. Now... Paradise, Jesus said, today shalt thou be with me in paradise to the thief on the cross. And a different different place, different idea. But there's some similarity to there to it. The word comes from paratikos, which is the idea of a walled enclosure or a garden. Maybe like the Garden of Eden, you think of paradise. Um, another idea about this word heaven is Zion. Zion. Now, 2 Samuel 5.7 is the first time you see the word Zion in the Bible. It says, Nevertheless, David took the stronghold of Zion. The same is the city of David. So Zion is a word for Jerusalem. Um, it's, we think of so glorious things of thee are spoken. Uh, Zion, city of our God. Well, Hebrews 12.22 says, But ye are come unto Mount Zion. And unto the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. So just like the earthly Jerusalem was called uh, Zion, the same as the city of David, Hebrews 12 calls Zion the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. So again, Zion would be another term for heaven. And today we'd like to focus on heaven being a real place in a real location. It's a real place. I'd like to to get rid of some bad thinking about heaven. That it's not a state of mind. It's not imaginary. Um, Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. That where I am. You see, there's a real place where Jesus, where Jesus, where God is. It's his dwelling place. And... Along the same lines, I want to point out that when, verse 2, the Bible says, And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down. This is the this is the first time John speaks of himself as I, John, since chapter 1. And it's almost as though John is saying that what I'm seeing of heaven coming down is so amazing and magnificent that I want to emphasize it. I saw it for real. I really observed it. I myself, with my own eyes. He says, I, John, saw. It's a real place. A real place. There's there's all kinds of things and thinking today that's wrong that, that turns heaven into almost like a fairy tale. Again, I want to get these out of our mind. There's the word utopia. Utopia. Well, tapas, topia, is the word place, and we might think that you means good, but actually the you in utopia is a Greek word you, which means no. So it's no place. It's literally nowhere. It was coined by Thomas More and was used as a title of his book in 1516 about an imaginary island that doesn't exist. So if you think of heaven as a utopia, that's a that's a, a once upon a time word, lived happily ever after, empty and meaningless. We need to get rid of that thinking. Heaven is a re, a reality. Uh, Spurgeon said in one of his messages, 
perhaps there are no stories that stick by us so long as those which we hear in our childhood. Those tales told to us by our fathers and in our nurseries. But it's a sad reflection that too many of these stories are idle and vain, so that our minds in early infancy are, are tinctured, means colored, with fables and inoculated with strange and lying narratives. Now, among the early Christians and the old believers in the far-off times, nursery tales were far different from what they are now. And the stories with which their children were amused were a far different class from those which fascinate us in the days of our babyhood. What's he saying? He's, uh, you know, this is, would be the reason why uh, many Christians prefer not to have things around the house about fairies and hobgoblins and gnomes and pixie dust stories. No doubt, Spurgeon goes on to say, no doubt Abraham talked to his children about the flood and how Noah alone was saved with his family. The ancient Israelites told their children about the Red Sea and the plagues God had wrought in Egypt when he delivered his children from the bondage of that country. Oh, that the stories of our childhood would be again the stories of Jesus Christ. Spurgeon had some definite ideas about telling children the truth. Speaking to them about scripture and uh, the stories of the great works of God. Uh, utopia, meaningless thinking. Um, speaking of heaven as not a reality, but as a never-never land. One of the hymns that's an old hymn from the turn of the 20th century is one that does not have much meaning. It's called The Beautiful Isle of Somewhere. Well, I enjoy the music of it, Mantovani's version, but it is beautiful Isle of Somewhere. Well, the rest of that hymn is just about as meaningless as the title. Um, one person has said this um, about just just trying to get away from heaven as a never-never land thinking. A dim, shadowy realm of pale ghosts flitting to and fro like bats in twilight. A vague existence. And the answer to that is no thank you. Heaven is a reality. It's a real place. And he says in verse 1, John says, And I saw. And then in verse 2, And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem. And verse Three, the announcement, and I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, do you see it? The tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. It is a real place. It's not a, it's not a daydream where you think of the perfect place where you'd like to be in some perfect world where all of your perfect preferences are are imagined and enjoyed. That can't be true, because then your heaven that you dream up would be different from the one I dream up. No, heaven is the house of God created by God. In my Father's house are many mansions. We want to get away from the cartoon caricatures, which can be foisted upon us from the time we're little of harps and little fat angels and chunky cherubs singing and halos and floating on cloud nine, doing nothing all day long. This is as unhelpful as the devil in a red suit with a pitchfork. No, heaven is a real place. It's a real place. I 
want to remind you that one of the things that we, we have when we approach the book of Revelation, we have a lot of um, reformed thinking that likes to take the book of Revelation, an end times event, and a lot of times allegorize it, turning it, turning it into an unreal, um, saying the details don't matter. Well, I want to point out that in Revelation chapter 22, if you would turn there, in verse number 10, Revelation chapter 22, verse 10, the Bible says that John is told, it says, He saith unto me, Seal not the sayings of the prophecy of this book, for the time is at hand. Seal not the sayings of the prophecy of this book, for the time is at hand. At hand means it's not far away. The timing of this is near. But when he says, seal not the sayings of the prophecy of this book, this is the exact opposite of what God told Daniel about the book of Daniel. God told Daniel, shut up and seal up the prophecy until the time of the end. That's Daniel chapter 12, verse 4. So while Daniel is told, shut up and seal up the prophecy of the book of Daniel, John is told in Revelation 22, verse 10, seal not the sayings of the prophecy of this book. Now, this is a rebuke to us. The book of Revelation was never meant to be a book of mystery. It is unsealed. It is understandable. It's an open book of plain prophecy. Why was it left unsealed? Because the time is at hand. That's the word at hand. It's near. It's nigh. It's getting close. It's Philippians 4, 4, 5. The Lord is at hand. And this ought to encourage us as believers, as young believers and old believers. Bible prophecy is to be interpreted literally. Or let the word of God speak for itself and it just fits. Well, New Jerusalem, the New Jerusalem coming down from God out of heaven... Revelation 21, is this is a real city coming down from a real heaven where real people will live. So, this place, it's a real place. Now, we've seen what it's not. It's not a utopia. It's not a never-never land. It's not a whatever you want it to be. It's not a cartoon caricature. It's, it's also, I want to point out, it is uh, not a new idea. Psalm 23, you'll remember David said, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The house of the Lord. Now, uh, he was getting, he was thinking beyond just the tabernacle because he said he would dwell in it forever. He was thinking past his own death because he would be there forever. He was talking about the house of God for all eternity when he said that in Psalm 23. So this is something David talked about in the Old Testament. This, what is it? It's a real place, but it's a place within a place. Uh, remember John 14. I go to prepare a place for you. He says, in my Father's house are many mansions. So he prepares a place for us in the Father's house. Uh, a it's a place, I want to point out, that's also a prepared place. It's, it's real. It's a prepared place. Now, this is fascinating. Both heaven and hell are spoken of as being prepared. 
The Bible says of hell that it has been prepared for the devil and his angels. Matthew 25, 41. It's, it's a perfect passive participle. It's the idea of it has been prepared in the past and remains to this day for the devil and his angels. Almost gives the idea that it was made long, long, long ago for the devil. That's why some people have the idea that hell is older than heaven. Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. So just as hell is prepared for the devil and his angels, and all who reject Christ will be there as well. Heaven, Jesus says, I go to prepare a place for you. John 14, 2. Hebrews eleven six says, He hath prepared for them a city. And 1 Corinthians 2, 9, The things which God hath prepared for them that love him. Heaven is a prepared place. This is a place that's, that I hath not seen nor ear heard, the things that God hath prepared for them that love him. And yet, these things have been revealed to us in the word of God. And the Bible speaks of heaven in, in its reality. It's not just a real place. It's in a real location. final truth I want to point this evening is it's a, in a real location. And the Bible tells us in Revelation chapter 21, And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Coming down from God. Now, where is heaven located? We had a meeting recently with Dr. Chris Shepler this past year, and one of the questions in the question and answer time that one of our young people asked was, where is heaven located? And I want to point out that this is uh, a question that sometimes gets asked. Well, this um, the French word for heaven is seal, C-E-I-L. It's where we get our, our English word sealing. So the French word for heaven is the idea of sealing. It's when you look up. That doesn't really help us a whole lot because the earth rotates, doesn't it? So if you're on the earth and it's rotating, at, at some point you could point up and you would, and uh, later when the earth's rotated the other side, you could point up, you'd be pointing the opposite direction. What does it mean? Well, Psalm 48 Verse 2 says, beautiful for situation. We're talking about its location, high in the heavens. Beautiful for situation. The joy of the whole earth is Mount Zion on the sides of the north. The city of the great king. So it speaks of God's dwelling place in the sides of the north. Isaiah 14, verse 13, speaks of Lucifer. It says, Lucifer, he said in his heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit upon the mount of the congregation. Sounds like Mount Zion, doesn't it? I will sit upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. Second time we've seen that Satan, that Satan, the city in the sides of the north, Satan wants to be exalted in the sides of the north. That's above God. Uh, Psalm 75, verse 6 says, For promotion cometh neither from the east nor from the west, 
nor from the south. Well, there's one direction it's left out. Promotion doesn't come from the east, the west, or the south. Where does it come from? Well, it comes from the north, the sides of the north, the city of, of the great king. Galatians 4.26 says, Jerusalem, which is from above, the mother of us all. And again, our passage, Revelation 21.2 says, it, it, the new Jerusalem, comes down from God, down from God out of heaven. So the city of God, where is it? It's, it's a real place, in a real location. It's the city of our great God. And it's um, dwell, the dwelling place of God is in the sides of the north. I take that to be <clears throat> atmospherically. It's in the in the in the north. Spurgeon said, "Heaven cannot be too far off if it can be reached today, in a moment." Um, you see in the passage that heaven is coming down from God out of heaven, coming. And interesting, hell. Is spoken of terms of departing, not coming, but depart from me. Um, this is, uh, we're, we're thinking about heaven now. And I want to close by saying that in heaven, this real, this real place in a real location is primarily the place where Jesus Christ is. In fact, the New Testament doesn't seem like it speaks very often of believers going to heaven when they die, though we will, the New Jerusalem. But it speaks more of going to be with Christ. Think of John 14. He says he goes to prepare a place for us that where I am, there ye may be also. That's John 14. John 17 says that Jesus said to his father in that prayer, I will that where I am, there they may be also. Even Paul, in Philippians 1, wants to depart to be with Christ. What is heaven? It is, as verse 3 says, the tabernacle of God, which is with men. And he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. So shall we ever be with the Lord. The emphasis of heaven, though it, it is described in detail, it is described in its beauty, is described in such a way that we cannot get away from it. The detail demands that it be taken not figuratively, but literally. There's too much detail to take it figuratively. God is trying to show us some of the things that he has prepared for us. Well, this place is primarily the house of God, where Christ is. It is the place where we'll be with our Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior, forever where the knowledge of God abounds, where God's glory is on full display. I would challenge you in your reading, if you'll take the assignment this week as well, to consider a contrast, to take two different views of heaven from two different people in the Bible. Both of them saw God in heaven. And look at how similar these two pictures are. One is Isaiah chapter 6, 
When Isaiah saw the Lord high and lifted up in his train, his glory filled the temple. If you'll read Isaiah 6 with Revelation 4 alongside it, I think you'll see that the two views of heaven of John looking at Jesus in Revelation 4 and the angels surrounding, and Isaiah looking at the Lord in Isaiah 6 are very, very similar. And you'll see some of the attributes of God. Notice and listen to what the angels are saying about God in Isaiah 6 and Revelation 4, how similar it is, the descriptions of God in that place. And you'll have another view of heaven in your homework assignment this week. It's wonderful that God has prepared a place, a place for us. We're going to look more at it in weeks to come. But I want us to think about home, think about heaven, this real place. Heaven is more than we can take in. There was a woman visiting Yosemite and asked the tour guide, if you only had one hour to see Yosemite, what would you do? The guide said, ma'am, if I only had one hour to see Yosemite, I'd sit down on that rock right there and cry for an hour. Well, heaven is more than we can imagine, more that we can take in. Although there's not a lot of passages in the Bible, we can meditate. And I'd encourage you to take some time this week and just meditate on it. Because God's given us the word of God to, be, to benefit us and to set our affection on things above. Father, would you turn our hearts toward home. Help us to be heavenly minded. And to have our affection, our love set upon heaven and love you with all of our heart, and look forward to being with you, with the Lord. Lord, we think of we think of people in our church who have already had loved ones who have gone home to heaven, and part of them is already home, glorified in heaven, and heaven seems a little closer. I pray you draw our hearts closer to you through this study in this series on the New Jerusalem. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.